0: As we go to the word this day, we're turning to the book of Judges, and I invite you to turn with me as we look to the book of Judges, to turn to the 14th chapter of that book, the 14th chapter of Judges. We are looking to a new theme last week, this week, and the coming two weeks, Lord willing. And that is the theme of modesty. And as we look to that theme, we're speaking uh, this morning in terms of history. Uh, I am not going to be giving a history of of modesty. that's not the, the purpose. Um, and if I, if I had fashioned this series to be longer, um, I probably would have, uh, included a sermon exactly the opposite of the one to which I'm going to, um, re- refer us today and to present here as we look to the word today. That is, I'm, I'm looking today to, uh, a, a sermon on an example, a historical example, but in this case, not of modesty, but of immodesty. Immodesty. And as we think about this theme of modesty, I think we're helped by seeing its contrast. And we see quite a contrast to modesty in the life of Samson in Judges and the 14th chapter. Samson is only mentioned in Judges 13, 14, and 15, and 16, with one exception. We'll come to that later, but I would like to take up the chapter 14, and then especially the beginning of chapter 15, those, that section, this morning as we think on on Samson, even as an example of immodesty. We remember that modesty might be thought of as restraint or a form of discipline. And I think we'll see lack of restraint and lack of discipline, particularly immodest forms of that as we look to the example of Samson here. Let us uh, read, though, I'm going to read at length uh, Judges 14. I'd like to remind, especially, I I would imagine that the children have heard portions of this story, but probably um, many of them have not heard it uh, recently. And even for those of us who haven't read recently, uh, let us read together of Samson. He is presented as a child blessed by the Lord in chapter 13 and the end of that chapter and then in chapter 14 we begin to see some of his what I'll call exploits some of that which Samson has done here is a portion of the story of Samson the history of what he has done as we see it in Judges 14 and 15 then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman of Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman of, in Timnah, one of the daughter of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people? that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks good to me. However, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. Now at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. So he went down and talked to the woman. And she looked good to Samson. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hands and went on eating as he went. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body Of the lion. Then his father went down to the woman, and Samson made a feast there, for the young men customarily did this. When they saw him, they brought thirty companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Let me now propound a riddle to you. If you will indeed tell it to me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty linen wraps and thirty changes of clothes. But if you are unable to tell me, then you shall give me 30 linen wraps and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, Propound your riddle, that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. But they could not tell the riddle in three days. Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband so that he will tell us the riddle or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us to impoverish us? Is this not so? Samson's wife wept before him and said, you will only hate me and you do not love me. You have propounded a riddle to the sons of my people and have not told it to me. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told it to my mother or father. So shall I tell you? However, she wept before him seven days while their feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she pressed him so hard. She then told the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty of them, and took their spoil, and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle, and his anger burned and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his friend. But after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat and said, I will go into my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought that you hated her intensely. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please let her be yours instead. Samson then said to them, This time I shall be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail And put one torch in the middle between the two tails. When he had set fire to the torches, he released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both shocks and the standing grain, along with the vineyards and groves. Then the Philistines said, Who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because He took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Might we ask the Lord to help us in directing our mind to this text. Let us bow before the Lord. Lord, if you would be kind to open our minds but a little, to see but a glimmer of the glory of your truth. If you would be kind to help us to understand even Samson's downfalls, a little better that we might avoid them. Lord, if you would be kind to give us great joy in reading your word and hearing and obeying. We pray for exactly this kindness this morning. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. When we think of our modern culture, I think that you have many reasons to not be thinking about modesty. In fact, when you think about our modern culture, you have many reasons to not be thinking about virtue in general. You save big money, you save big money, Or, the best part of waking up. And, and you, you know those jingles, and this is the kind of thing that the world around us uses to capture our imagination. You, you will find in rare and infrequent places. The world around us trying to capture our imagination, which that, with that which is virtuous or with that which promotes for our purposes, modesty. We looked last week to modesty and uh, sought to try to help in defining it and clarifying uh, it. We're not speaking as we uh, looked last week at this theme we're not speaking exactly and only of modesty in terms of dress and clothing but we're, rather we're speaking in terms more broadly of modesty in terms of character and action modesty in terms of speech and thought in reading about modesty this past week I came across, this helpful uh, note, modesty decenters the self and makes room for other people to flourish. Modesty decenters the self and makes room for other people to flourish. I think this is much in keeping with a text in Romans, which would help us even in thinking about modesty. As you think about Romans and the 12th chapter, the third verse teaches us the same kind of thing. Not to be focused on self and not to be trying to promote ourself, but to seek, be seeking to help and benefit others more than ourselves. For the, through the grace given to me, I say to, to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have a sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We ought to think of others more highly than ourselves. This is at least in part one aspect of modesty. And so last week as we looked to this theme and sought to define and understand it, we noted that modesty pertains to restraint, not seeking to put out and put forward as much as could be put forward and put out, but rather to restrain. Or as we would think in terms of that which is common, if we pretend that that which is uncommon ought to be viewed as common, that is immodesty. We, we ought to treat those things that are special as though they are special, to use our, our language, to use our parlance. Th- those things which are important need to be treated in, in appropriateness with the character and, and nature of what they are. Those things which are Uh, less valuable needed to be treated in in accordance with the character of what they are. Which leads us then to thinking about this uh, topic of modesty, even in terms of how we would see it in the people and lives around us, but more importantly, how we would put it into our lives. If if modesty is a kind of propriety and a kind of humility, and immodesty is a kind of pride and impropriety and arrogance and selfishness and self-centeredness, what does that look like in a person's life? And I think that in, in at least two ways, the example of Samson helps us to understand immodesty. And so I'd like to look to this theme of immodesty in, uh, in the life of Samson. He was immodest, firstly, in his personal focus. There was a self-focus. He was immodest, secondly, in his spiritual recklessness. Spiritual recklessness. I think in both of these ways... We can see immodesty on display. Now the life of um, Samson begins in a flourish for the one who is not able to have children is given this child by the Lord and we read this in chapter 13 in verse 24 and 25. Then the, the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mennon and between Zorah and Eshtel. Here, uh, here is the Lord coming by means of his angel to speak of this coming one, Samson. Uh, The Lord coming by way of uh, giving uh, giving birth to one who, uh, to to a lady who was unable previously to give birth. And all of this done in accordance with the promises and the obligations which the Lord put forth in chapter 13. Samson was to be a Nazarite. Samson was to be devoted to the Lord. Samson was to be special to the Lord. There there was some immodesty as to who God was intending to make him. But, where there is an appropriate form of immodesty, where there is an appropriate form of zeal and lack of restraint, Is that the kind of immodesty that we see in Samson? And I would say no, at least in these two ways. Samson, firstly, was immodest in his personal focus. He was focused on himself. We saw how that he went and he demanded of his father and mother that he wants to have this one particular lady from Timnah, a daughter of the Philistines, for his wife. Now it was common in those days. It was typical in those days for the parents to to coordinate marriages with uh, for their, their children. But here we find what uh, what Samson is doing is Samson in immodesty is seeking his own pleasures and lusts. He's seeking his own desires to be fulfilled. It's interesting because as chapter 14 starts out, the, the language that's used of seeing, Samson saw this woman of Timnah, that, that language of seeing is emphasized. Uh, Samson was living according to his lusts and according to his desires. Samson wasn't living in propriety properly as should be lived in as male and female, husband and wife before the Lord. Rather, Samson was following his baser desires and inclinations and affections. He was immodest in his personal focus we see this as we continue on in the text for example as you go down in the text and you look to verse number 13 why is it that samson gives this riddle he gives this riddle and and it it is a violation of riddles in the sense that there's no possibility that anyone would know the answer to the riddle other than him because this is no usual circumstance. If a lion dies, will you find bees in its carcass? No, you'll find maggots and flies. So, in some unusual circumstance, God orchestrates that honey and honey bees come to this carcass. It's it's only possible that Samson knows the answer to this riddle. Whether this has ever happened uh, at all ever in the rest of human history, we we don't know. Certainly and definitely unusual and unlikely. Samson uses this riddle, which is valid as a riddle because it's in the form of poetry, which every good riddle is in the form of, of poetry, it's valid as a riddle because it's about something which uh, is true to true to particular circumstances. But why? Why does Samson give this riddle? Uh, verse 12. And Samson said to them, let me now propound a riddle to you. If you will indeed tell me within seven days, uh, then I'll give you 30 linen wraps and changes of clothes. But if you're unable, then you must give me that and uh, uh, implicitly they agree because they say, well, tell us the riddle. Why? I think Samson wanted the focus to be on himself. Samson was interested in amassing what to himself? Well, in this case, linen clothing. Clothing. And outer garments. He, he was going to be wealthy before his time, as it were. This is the height of immodesty, right? Uh, parents know this. Uh, a young person goes out and gets married. Should they expect to have all of the blessings of 30 years of accumulated wealth in the first year? And yet so many, that little plastic or platinum or whatever metal they make their credit card out of. Um, that little thing becomes a great temptation and immodesty. Uh, let, let's have now what it took my parents 40 years to, to accumulate. Right? Um, Samson's immodesty continually and consistently focuses on himself, focuses on getting what he wants and getting as much as he wants. We see this again in uh, the way that Samson responds uh, when they finally answer his rule. This is verse 18. Uh, you note that the the men of the city uh, they held out on, Uh, On on mentioning the answer to the riddle to the last possible moment, Samson had had his fun for six and three-quarters days. And now they're going to get it back on on Samson. The last moment, uh, what's the language of the text? Um, The men of the city said to him, On the seventh day before the sun went down, uh, from evening to morning is the time period that the ancients uh, thought of as a day. So right before the evening, that's, that's the, the cutoff time for the answering the riddle. That's when they come to Samson with the answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson, what does he reply if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. He, he is uh, totally out of sorts in terms of his response. He, he assumes that they're doing some improprieties with his wife when uh, the improprieties happen later. After this, then his wife is giving to a, a, one of the others to be their wife. He, he assumes that his, his riddle should have been uh, bulletproof when he himself was the one who gave up the answer to his wife. He assumes that his wife is happily on the side of the The, the rest of the people, and there's, there's, uh, uh, there's, there, there's, uh, uh, evidence in both ways, right? She's, she's called, uh, she's called, uh, a lady of Timnah, and in, in talking with the people, it's her people. But, how do her people get her to tell her the answer to the riddle? Well, they threaten not only her life, but her family's life and all they possess. Here is Samson. And Samson is focused on himself and his pleasures. Even such a, if if you can think of it in terms of meager thing, uh, even such a mere thing as as having your will slighted by having a riddle. Now, obviously, he was going to be out 30 um, linen garments and 30, uh, 30, 30 uh, pieces of clothing. Um, but uh, what does he do to, to uh, remedy that? Verse 19, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ashkelon. Uh, by the way, Ashkelon is one of the major cities of the Philistines. So he, he, he goes to their stronghold, as it were, and he kills 30 of the Philistines and took their spoil and gave the changes. Now, now, what's interesting in the Hebrew is that's not the same word as is used back in uh, verse number uh, twelve. Uh, linen wraps and changes of clothes. Okay, Th- those words are words for the common uh, garments that that someone would wear. the The word that's used in uh, chapter. Uh, uh, in verse nineteen, fourteen, uh, chapter fourteen, verse nineteen, the word that's used is of the military armor, the military garb. So he he, he takes he takes out armed forces, as it were, and he pays the the people of, of the, the Philistines to whom he was uh, who who he made the riddle. He pays them with that. Now we don't see any kind of squabble or. Or problems in paying with them with that because he was paying something more valuable instead of something less valuable. Um, but that's exactly the kind of person that he is. He's focused on himself. He's focused on getting his way. If he's crossed, then he will make sure to cross someone else. It reminds us of, it reminds me of a sermon series I preached not too long ago. On what rule? The golden rule. Do you do to others as they do to you? No. Do to others as you desire or want them to do to you. Immodesty even in seeking revenge. Revenge. Self-focus, I think we see in the, uh, in the actions here of, uh, of uh, Samson. I think lastly, we might see this immodesty in, in uh, terms of his personal focus. Um, they have threatened fire on his wife. His wife then is given to another companion. You wonder about the meaning of that term, um, but clearly not a close companion, given to another companion, and given that uh, Samson is uh, is liable and prone to fits and spurts of action and inaction and thought and emotion and uh, lack of emotion um, or maybe lack of emotion isn't the best way to speak of it but Um, What does he do when he finds out that his wife has been given away? When he's pursuing his own lust and wanting to have her uh, right at the moment? Verse 3, he says, This time I shall be blameless when I do them harm. Self-focus. So what does he do? He gets these foxes, which is quite a feat, I think. (laughs) 300 foxes. And then... Uh he, he goes far and beyond any injury that was uh that was dealt out on him. Um the the language in verse uh number five, the end of the verse, for shocks and standing grain and vineyards and groves, it's not just the wheat harvest that's coming in that's destroyed. It's also the olive groves and that which they had stored. So he does great destruction in terms of fire, and as is the wont with those who are immodest, uh, Samson's immodesty is responded to with the Philistines' own immodesty. They burn, uh, they burn uh, his former wife and her family, and all uh, is burned with fire, the end of verse number six. Uh, it's interesting to me, this is a side note, it's interesting to me that the a penalty that she was originally seeking to avoid is exactly the penalty she ends up getting in the end. The, 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 the trial and hardship that she was seeking to avoid, exactly the thing that happens to her uh, in the end. Now, thus far, if you were looking at uh, Samson, you would think that his immodesty is certainly uh, connected to his spiritual state. And probably uh, you wouldn't be wrong if you were just reading the book of Judges. More on that in a moment. Secondly, his immodesty in his personal focus and his immodesty in his spiritual recklessness Spiritual recklessness. Now, uh, here is, uh, here is Samson. He's been born for the purpose of being a judge. Now, a judge was not a person in government authority in, among the people of Israel. Uh, a judge was someone who is used in very different ways and very different circumstances depending on the particular judge. But the whole point of the judges was to show, A, God's care, God's care for his people. He's going to continue to protect. He's going to continue to provide for them. And B, God's judgment. God God is not going to let the sinfulness of his people go uh, unimpeded. God is going to deal with his people. And even as he shows his care, he'll show his care in terms of their uh, spiritual his care for their spiritual circumstance. Samson is quite the uh, paradox as it were, as he looked to his character. He, he's supposed to be a Nazarite. He's supposed to be devoted to the Lord. and as were' uh, made as is made very clear as his father and mother interact with him, which, by the way, is a frequent uh, usage of language in, in this, in this uh, section of, of the Samson story. Note how much father and mother come up as you go through the, the account. Okay, Sam, Samson's immodesty is a modesty in, in not following the path that his father and mother had clearly followed. They, they've been praying. They've been going to the Lord. They'd given their son to to be the Lord's. Samson, quite a different person. But what we find out is that uh, the Lord was doing something through Samson. But how is it that the Lord does this great work of judging the Philistines through Samson? Is it because Samson is such a noble personage? Personage? Is it because Samson's spiritual qualities are so stellar that everyone uh, falls over to follow in his godliness? No, in quite the same kind of way that in Genesis and the last chapter you find the, the uh, Joseph's brothers being said to have done all this wickedness on him, but the Lord was directing and the Lord was guiding in it? That's the same kind of way that you have God sovereign in Samson's life. God isn't using Samson's positive spiritual qualities, but God, knowing Samson's illicit desires Samson's self-focus God uses that to be the fire that ignites Samson's uh, uh, fighting and rebellion against the Philistines that's exactly the kind of language that's that's used as we look to the aftermath of what the uh, what Samson does, verse nineteen, after the the riddle is figured out, the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and then what Samson does uh, when he is going to go and uh, going to go and judge the uh, going to judge the Philistines because they've uh, because they've taken his wife. Um, it's it's Samson's immodesty in terms of his spiritual recklessness that God is sovereign over and directing to God's own purposes and God's own glory. God does not cause sin. God is not the author of sin, but God is sovereign over sin. And we see that in the immodest life of uh, of, uh, Samson in terms of his spiritual recklessness. Uh, For example, verse number uh, six, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore uh, as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Um, it's it's interesting that the uh, spirit of the Lord, he's hes uh, being used to defend himself, yes. But what does he use all of that for? What does he use the resolve of that for? In violation of all that is entailed in his Nazarite commitments. So out of the eater, out of the lion, the dead lion, comes something to eat. What does he do? He goes to this dead carcass, which is a violation, uh, um, impure for all Jews. Not not just for for Nazarites, but for all Jews. Not supposed to be near those things which are dead. And he takes from it. And, And does he... Does he have a, a spiritual relationship with his with his parents? So that he's happy to tell them that, uh, something as as phenomenal as being able to rip apart a lion. I, I don't know what it's like to rip apart a young goat, but if you can take a lion and you can rip apart a lion like you could rip apart a young goat. That's that's something extraordinary isn't that the kind of thing that you would, you would naturally expect in any kind of good relationship with your parents that you would tell them about? Most certainly. But, but uh, Samson has no such good relationship with his, uh, with his parents. And then in, in uh, further evidence of his spiritual recklessness, he knows he's a Nazarite. He knows he's not supposed to touch things, be around things which are dead. But not only does he do that, go into the carcass and scrape it clear of the honey, but furthermore, who does he give it to? He gives it to his father and mother without telling them where it came from. This reminds us right away of who? Adam and Eve. She takes the fruit. She goes and she gives it to her husband. Uh, I understand those stories differently, but in any case, the immodesty, the spiritual recklessness of dealing in this Way with uh, his own own blessing of being a Nazarite. Samson consistently, we're not looking forward uh, further along in the text, but Samson consistently is using his, uh, his blessing from the Lord for his own purposes. And in disregard of any care and concern for God's will in terms of what he should be doing. Certainly it's God's will in terms of what God has decreed will be done. But not in terms of what should be rightly done. Imagine, just imagine for a moment. Imagine how much better of a judge Samson could have been if he had been a righteous judge. You see the amazing things he does. The, the jawbone of a donkey and killing. You see the amazing things he does in, in fulfilling God's judgment on the Philistines. Imagine how much more could have been done if instead of spiritual recklessness, there was spiritual faithfulness. Which leads me to conclude with Uh, two points one a new testament conclusion and two a particular application new testament conclusion the only time in all of the scripture that samson is mentioned outside of the book of judges is where hebrews 11 hebrews 11 and if it weren't for hebrews 11 i wouldn't think in any way positively of uh, of Samson's spiritual condition, Um, except that at the final end, at the very end of his life, as his hair is growing back after he's betrayed his God by betraying the secret of his power to his lover, he turns to the Lord and he asks for the Lord to give strength. He trusts in the Lord by looking to the Lord's power once more. But here is Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 34. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. God can use even our small degree of faith to great degree for his glory. Might we not just give God a small degree of faith but might we give him a great degree of faith and if he would be pleased to use us all the more greatly all the more immodestly might he do exactly as he desires point of application it's hard to see Samson's faith in the book of Judges not impossible but hard to see might the Lord keep us from such constraints on the 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 showing of our righteousness that others yeah even maybe we ourselves would we'll be tempted to doubt our faith, tempted to doubt the faith that the Lord has given us. Might we, having faith, be strong in faith, and might we thus pursue all the modesty that God has for us? Let's. Lord, we pray that you would keep us from such focus on ourselves and on our desires that others could scarcely see your kindness and your working in our lives. Others could scarcely see your witness and your testimony through our lives. Lord, we pray that in modesty, we might be greatly empowered in faithfulness to you. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen. Let us go in song to our Lord as we close. take the
1: blue hymnal turn with me to number 476 476 may the mind of christ my savior we'll sing uh, verses 1 2 4 and 6 verse 1 and then the even verses 476 may the mind of christ my savior would you stand as we sing Savior, live in me from day to day. By his love and power controlling all I do and say.
0: As you go forth uh, this week into the Lord's service, Him exalting.